Welcome back to another episode of Useless Degrees. I'm your host, Anthony Rastigue, and now that we're friends, you can call me Tony. Today, my guest is Cameron Gudekunst. Cam is a graduate from Central Michigan University with a degree in broadcasting and professional sales. In college, he was the president of his fraternity and head anchor and analyst on the local sports show. Following graduation, he spent some time in the logistics business in Chicago, and now he is working at an in-home and business expert for AT&T while pursuing an MBA at Wayne State. Today, we're going to talk about the career pivot from broadcasting to logistics, the complexity of the post-grad job search, and how to continuously improve upon yourself each year. Now let's get started. All right. Thank you so much for being here today, Cam. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good. I can't complain. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's get right into it. You were able to acquire a great amount of professional experience in sports broadcasting while at CMU. So tell me about how you ended up navigating your way into the logistics business. Yeah. So, I mean, I got to do a pretty wide spectrum of things in the sports broadcasting field. I mean, from behind the scenes all the way working my way up to I was an on-air talent for ESPN for a handful of different events, meets, et cetera. So uh, I, I got to do a lot of different things. I mean, traveling to New York, Florida, all over. I mean, it was cool. It was a fun experience. Just, uh, you know, the job market, I mean, as we'll get into a little more later, it, it was tough for sure. Uh, logistics for me, I mean, you mentioned I was the fraternity president for Capo in college. And yeah, I mean, it led for one thing to another. I was the, I had a double sales minor, uh, electronic media sales and professional sales. Um, my vice president, all the fraternity, as well as uh, we had two guys interning already in the chapter. And then my vice president and one of my pledge brothers were already working for uh, my old company, Blue Grace Logistics. So, you know, the opportunity kind of came about. Um, my girlfriend at the time was already moving out there at the Chicago. So it was kind of a, an interest point to me, you know, somewhere new. That's where, you know, my girlfriend was going to be. That's where my friends were going to be. And I gave it a whirl. And, you know, it worked out pretty well for the me, or me for the most part. Yeah, it seems like everything was just lining up for you. And then Chicago was about to be your home. And you moved at a very interesting time, too, because you spent some time there and then COVID hit and then you ended up moving back to Michigan at the end. But I'm curious, what did you think of working in Chicago leading up to the pandemic era? Yeah, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head there with that. I mean, it was a very interesting point. I basically got out of there. I, I went remote right before being remote was the cool thing to do. So it was basically about January 2020 that I, or no, about February 2020 that I went remote. You know, it was a combination of things. You know, I got some family illnesses. I got grad school I wanted to attend to. And, you know, I just thought there was a bigger and better purpose for me. So I was ready to get out of Chicago and kind of reset a little bit. And I think that worked out really well for me. But, I mean, Chicago was a dream, dude. I, I loved it there. It's such a fun city. It's such a cool city. I go back all the time. I already got much two trips planned the next five months, even though I'm not working there anymore. It was a great place. And then you kind of said it. I kind of got out of there right in time because I remember going back to visit some friends right before St. Patrick's Day. And literally as I was driving home on Sunday, that's when they started to close things down and, and they were going to put the curfew in for uh, curfew, masks, et cetera, at literally midnight that Sunday. So I kind of got out of there right before everything kicked in, but it was a fun ride. And honestly, like you said, I kind of got out of there at the right time because I got to move back with family. I wasn't trapped in my apartment alone in Chicago. It, it, it was pretty much perfect timing all around. Yeah, it almost seems like that city as a whole is definitely like a really good go-to for college graduates to move right to once they graduate and everything. Something about just the, the young atmosphere, a lot of booming industries and all sorts of different fields. So it definitely seems like the place to be. I'm curious, did you end up becoming like a, a Cubs fan or anything or convert to any sports I really team? did, yeah. Uh, actually, I uh, I lived in Wrigleyville. I lived literally 
I lived off of Halstead and Clark in Chicago and uh, Wrigley Fields off of Halstead. So uh, Halstead and Addison. So, or excuse me, other way around Clark and Addison. So I was off of Clark and Addison. So I literally could turn on my apartment, make a left and walk straight to the home plate behind Wrigley. So I was right up there. I could walk there in under 10 minutes. I, I loved it. I, I got to go to about three or four games oh, while sweet. I was there. It was, it was cool, man. It's a different breed, especially, I mean, from, I mean, Tigers as of late and things like that, from what I get to grow up on. I mean, that place is sold out Monday through Sunday. It, it's a way different atmosphere. It's cool. It makes, even if you're not a big baseball person, it makes baseball more fun in general. Oh, I bet. So like the logistics business, was that pretty big in Chicago or what really drew you to that city in particular for that field? Yeah. I mean, I had, I had personal connections out there. So, I mean, that was an interest to me. I, I had the sales experience. It wasn't directly tied in, but it, I mean, it was one of those things that you know, I kind of bet on myself. I was willing to give it a whirl. And, you know, I mean, that's kind of how I look at things in general in life. I mean, if I commit to it, I'm giving, my, I'm giving it my all. I mean, there's no, I'm not leaving anything on the table. Rather, I'm the best or I'm the worst. I'm going to give you my 100%. So I had a 38-person hiring class, right? I was the only person without a business major in my hiring class. And I was one of three people not from a power, or no, one of four people not from a power five university. The other two, two out of their four were from Central with me. And then I had one Grand Valley grad with me there. So 34 of those 38 were from Power 5 universities. 37 of 38 had some kind of, you know, marketing, sales, business, logistics, supply chain, you name it, degree. I came in with a broadcasting degree from Central Michigan. I was the first in my class on the carrier side to make a sale. You know, I went through the eight or nine months and, you know, the whole thing just wasn't necessarily for me. I was kind of looking to pivot. I actually, a lot of people don't know this. I quit my job January 2019 and they offered me a promotion to stay remote. So I took it. So I came home. I, I went remote for a year. And then, you know, the opportunity for AT&T opened up. It was just an all around better opportunity for me. You know, one of my fraternity brothers who was actually in charge of me when I was a, a pledge at the time, you know, offered the opportunity up to me. He knew I'd be a good fit for it. So that came along. I wasn't expecting it, but it popped up and it was just the right opportunity at the right time. So I went with it. That, that is so fascinating to me. Do you think like the broadcasting background helped you out? I'm assuming like there were some parallels when it comes to speaking and selling a product altogether. So was there like a good overlap when it comes to broadcasting and the logistics business? For sure. I, I say it all the time. This is like my go-to quote between a double sales minor and a broadcast major. I say I'm a professional talker and a professional BSer. However you want to put it, man. I I just love to talk. I love to meet people. You can throw me in the middle of a hundred people I don't know. And I feel like I'm going to make a friend and talk to somebody. And that's just my kind of personality and my kind of vibe over the phone. I don't feel like it was the right fit for me. You know, I feel like I make a better personal connection with people. I like to talk with my hands like this. I like to, you know, go up and down, up and down. I, I'm a broadcaster. I, I'm used to being on TV. I like you to see what I'm saying, see what I'm doing, feel my energy. Over the phone, I don't feel like I was efficient. Now that I'm in, you know, going into people's houses, going to people's businesses, talking to people every day for AT&T, I feel like this is like a home run fit for me between my, you know, my broadcasting side, my sales side. I feel like it's really intertwined for me perfectly. Yeah, I'm so glad that it ended up working out for you in the long run. And I'm curious to know, since the job search after graduating seemed like it worked in every possible way for you, but what is your advice to people when it comes to when it becomes time for the for entry level opportunities and for people to really get their adult life in order? Yeah, man. I mean, uh, I'm blessed. I've had some great opportunities and I've, I've made some good connections through my fraternity and through connections I've built up for myself. But I mean, it was far from, you know, the green grass and perfect pathway. I mean, I applied to over 2000 broadcasting jobs after I had 12 undergrad, different positions, different internships. I won two college broadcasting Emmys. I was a, a nominee for the Jim Nance Award. 
yeah, I mean, I had a lot of different broadcasting accolades and, you know, I applied over 2000 positions. I had about 15 interviews and I got offered three positions. It was absolutely brutal in that broadcast field. The business field, I would say was a lot better, but I mean, still it's tough. I mean, there were positions uh, I applied for in between where I'm at now and where I just was that I, I applied for, I had interviews for, I didn't get, I mean, it's tough, especially now in this COVID pandemic era where everyone's cutting back, people are home, they're not hiring, they're letting people go. I mean, my last company let go over 80% of our, our staff during that pandemic. So I was fortunate to be able to stick along and be part of that, but it's tough. And, you know, the thing is, that's even tougher, especially for me with a broadcasting degree trying for these business jobs is it's not looked highly upon. Even if I say I'm an MBA candidate, people don't necessarily care until you have that piece of paper in hand. So it, it's tough. And entry level is really not entry level anymore. I mean, to get an MBA, I've realized even applying these programs, you need for most two to seven years experience to even be considered for these programs. So, and especially, I mean, entry level, you apply for these jobs and it goes, oh, entry level on LinkedIn. And you read down, it's like three to five years experience. And it's like, when did I need to be working here since I graduated and be 30 to be entry level? It's like entry level has changed from entry level. And the thing I guess I want to say to anybody listening here that might be, you know, in late high school, college, about to graduate. I mean, don't let the market, don't let the industry get you down. It's not, it's not you, you know, stick to it you know, keep your foot on the gas, keep applying, keep updating your resume, keep working on your own craft, make yourself better every day, you know, whether it's taking a side class, whether it's learning something new every day, rather it's whatever it might be, keep making yourself better every day, because the more presentable and the more valuable and, you know, opportunistic you can present yourself to a company, the better position you're going to put yourself in, because it's more competitive than it's ever been right now, regardless if you have degrees or not, because it's not the same era our parents grew up in where a high school or a GED was going to get you by. Now it's uh, a bachelor's degree is the minimum and an MBA makes you look better, but not even necessarily the best. So it's tough, but if you stick to it, opportunities do arise. And that's what surprises me about all the accolades you acquired at Central Michigan with broadcasting and ended up only getting three offers. I'm curious, what made you turn the, down those offers? You know, for me, uh, broadcasting's tough, man. It's, it's a different beast than a lot of other industries. You know, even when you get those offers, I mean, you're going to get stuck out in Fargo, North Dakota, Headlands, Montana, New Hampshire, Vermont. You're going to get stuck very far from family, very far from, cause I mean, the top broadcasting markets are the top city markets. They're, I mean, they're the Chicago's, the Detroit's, the Grand Rapids, the Indianapolis's. That's where people want to be. So you're not going to get those off the rip, no matter how good you were. So, I, I mean, the offers I got were in North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, and the best one I got was in Terre Haute, Indiana, which is still pretty far from anything interesting, pretty far from anybody I know. And, you know, for me, I kind of looked at it and I said, I'm very social. I'm very, I'm not dependent on people, but I'm very dependent on being social, active, talking to people, being around my family, being around my friends, being around my girlfriend, whatever it might be. I knew just being out there was just not going to be the right fit for me. And I just knew I would not be happy. And even Chicago at some point kind of got there for me where I was like, you know, I have 20 or 30 friends, but I go, I have no family here. I have no system here. I have no like real structure here. And I, that's why I rooted back to Detroit, reset my life. And I think that was one of the better decisions I ever made just to kind of reset. And, you know, I got into grad school. I lost a lot of weight. I got my job promotion, you know, just a lot of different things with that mental reset that really helped me get a, a new grasp on life. So, I mean, that's the thing too, is, I mean, one of my best friends, just, he's about to graduate Central this May. 
just proposed to his girlfriend this week. You know, luckily she said yes, but I mean, that's not the broadcasting market. That's a golden era story. I mean, it's such a high divorce rate. It's such a hard breakup rate. It's such a hard, all this, like, I saw myself as the family guy. You know, I want to get married. I want to be around my family. I want to be around my friends. I want to have kids. And I just didn't see living in, you know, Helens, Montana or Fargo, North Dakota is the place that was going to get me to that, you know, destination. So I took the leap of faith on logistics and, you know, I'm still in a global supply chain management position for my major, one of my two majors. I'm global supply chain management and information systems for my two MBA majors. But I mean, I've, I've went away from that a little bit, but I would like to get back to it. I, I liked the industry. I didn't like my position. Yeah, you make a really good point when it comes to like being close in proximity with your family too, because I feel like a lot of people don't recognize that until they spend a couple of years in Chicago and they realize, wow, like I'm so far away from home and, you know, I just want to be, you know, a little bit closer to them, if anything. So you make a really good point on that. And so on the topic of Central, so you were able to keep busy and you had a lot of involvement every single year that you spent there, especially with the Greek community. And I'm curious to know what your advice is to students that are still in school and figuring out what they want to do for a career. I would say think early and think often. I mean, the thing is, is I... I came in, I thought I was going to be education off the bat. I didn't actually take any classes, but I initially went into my orientation as education. I switched to broadcasting because of some last minute, you know, meetings and conversations I had in that summer leading up to Central. But I would say think early and often. I mean, starting with the community college type path, I think it's a great option. I think it's a great money saver. I think it's a great thing for people to consider. But also, realistically speaking, from what I've seen from people, that community college path only works if you know what you want on the back end of it. If you're just going to go in and say, oh, I'm going to take 20 classes and hope it works out, you know, you're going to go to these colleges and you took class A, they want class B. You took class C, they want class D. They're going to give you a hard time. And, you know, the two years you're supposed to be there turns into three or four, four and a half, whatever. And by that point, you kind of set yourself back. So I'd say, first off, consider what you really want. And I'd honestly say it's almost better just to work and take a semester or a year off to evaluate yourself, if anything, before just blindly hopping into something because it's very expensive. It's very time consuming to hop into community college, hop into the four-year, hop into things like that. And then, I mean, second off, once you get there, I mean, I think finding some consistency and finding some routines is very good for you. I was always someone, you know, my dad made me play. He always told me you had to play sports year-round or you need to get a job. And I always played sports year-round because I didn't want to get a job. Once I got to college, I came to Central as a football walk-on. But once that ended, I had no, you know, I had no calling. I had no thing to do besides, you know, the optional class. I mean, you know, you know how it goes. Anyone who's been in college knows how it goes. I mean, for the most part, you get to pretty much choose if you're going to attend your class on a daily basis. And I, for my freshman year, I really chose not to a lot. I didn't have good study habits. I didn't have good class habits, regardless of how good of a high school system I had at Catholic Central. You know, I, I let myself kind of go there. And then, you know, once I found that fraternity basis, you know, they said, no, you're going to go into study hours. No, you're going to do this. No, you're going to come do this. No, you're going to do that. That gave me that structure and that basis. And that really helped me get going. And I went from that two, four freshman year to a three, four graduation. And I would say really find your place, find some structure. I mean, some people are very independent. Some people are, you know, self-reliable, self-independent and that works for them. But I'd say for the most part, find some structure. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, the broadcast club, a sports team, the band, a Greek life, whatever it might be. Find something that's going to give you purpose and structure in your week to work around and go from there because that's going to really help you. As well as, like I said, you know, have a pretty good plan when you go in. Obviously, things change. 
But having a good plan when you go in is really going to help you a lot because, I mean, these colleges point blankly don't care how long you're there. I mean, you're paying per class whether you get an A or you get a D. They don't care how long you're there, how many classes you retake, how many extra classes you take. So finding your structure and finding your mold is going to be very key for you to, you know, keeping that debt down, getting yourself out of there on time and getting yourself in the work field, which is the ultimate goal for everybody on time. And I'm pleasantly surprised that you give a lot of credit to joining the fraternity as a, as a way to really elevate your successes too, because I 100% agree. And I've seen people go different routes where they abuse it too much and they don't Absolutely. really get much out of it. But there actually is quite a, a route that you can take with the fraternity to really become successful in the, in the end. So I want to hear from your perspective, how you were able to use the fraternity to help build yourself as a person. Yeah, man. I mean, and if you've been in Greek life, you know how it goes. There's you're lying to yourself. You're saying there's not parties. There's not fun. There's not cool things to do. But at the same point in time, there's a structure of, you know, on average, by 50 to 200 men or women that have similar values to you, similar interests to you, similar upbringings to you. And, you know, these are people that as president, as an e-board member, we had new members come to rush, new members, you know, on the fence about staying in it. I tell them all the time, you know, you can make this chapter whatever you want it to be. One of my best friends in the chapter who was, you know, third on my e-board, my roommate for two years, his name is Dan. And he was in the hospitality and stuff. And we used to really do big gourmet food fundraisers. And I was like, that's cool for him. We'd rent tables out. It'd be restaurant style. And I was like, that's everything you want it to be. That's awesome. My big in the fraternity, my big brother, he was very religious. He used to do Bible studies with within the chapter with with sororities, whatever. That's a whole different tangent. Whatever you want it to be, make it. You know, don't join these Greek life organizations and just go, oh, I'm going to wear some letters and party and, you know, the, the crap you see on American Pie. You know, make it what you want to be because you have a hundred ish people who think the same as you do the same as you. And if, you know, you have good ideas and good concepts, they're going to listen to you. So, I mean, I started off with the idea, you know, they put me in study hours. I ran with that. I tried to do my best with that. They put me at like a bat. We had like a, we had a treasurer on eboard and then we had like a finance chair, which really didn't do a whole lot. That's where they stuck me off the bat. But I mean, that was my first position. I got that right off the bat. Once I got in, I tried my best to make that good. And I just slowly worked that way up. And I went from finance to academics to being in charge of the new pledge process to president. And that was a huge deal because in between all that, they had me run for treasurer. I lost. They had me run for vice president. I lost. I ran for two e-board positions before I got that president spot. So, I mean, it goes back to the whole, don't get down on yourself. Rather, it's in college with, you know, internships and positions and your Greek life organizations, wherever it might be, up to, you know, being a grown man or woman with a degree trying for a job, you know, don't get down yourself when, you know, when life kicks you down, it might take you a second to brush yourself up, pick yourself up, but find a way to build on yourself because that's really what's going to help, you know, if you're not meeting par, you're not meeting status quo, you know, that sucks all in all, but if you can find a way to elevate yourself, that's going to make the difference because I applied to all these jobs and obviously most of them weren't interested in me for a broadcasting major. So I said, you know what, I bought a thousand page book for the the GMAT. I studied it. I did 100 pages a day for 10 days. I did the GMAT test and then I got into grad school. I mean, it was it to me it took me two weeks it took me two weeks to get in. I mean, if you have that drive, you have that ambition, you want to make yourself better, that's how you're going to get forward in life. So, you know, take the best of any opportunity you get, whether it's Greek life, whether it's a sports team, whether it's the band, like I said, you know, there's no correct route to make yourself successful, make yourself appealing to the world, but, you know, put your all in the thing and try to make the most of the opportunities you're given because you're only given so many opportunities.
opportunities in life. And more and more every day, I notice a lot of parallels between climbing the ladder in a fraternity and climbing the ladder in the business world too. There's a lot of overlap that I've been noticing a lot lately. And so you also mentioned that you are currently enrolled in a well-respected MBA program. So I'm curious to know, what are you hoping to get out of that? You know, your answer is as good as mine there. I mean, it's it's something that I kind of blindly went in. I mean, not necessarily blindly, but like I told you, I, I, I had moved back from Chicago. I had about a month in between my job. I had quote unquote quit in my promotion. You know what I said? I'm going to try to hammer this thousand page book out. I did it in 10 days. I enrolled for the test the next week. I took it and I got in. I applied to Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Wayne State. I got into all four. Wayne State doesn't end up being the best fit for me. But I mean, I did 100 pages a day. I devoted myself to it. And I went from there. And I mean, I'm, I'm doing information systems and global supply chain management. I'm they're they kind of intertwine, they kind of don't. You know, I don't necessarily at this point in my my career switches because I mean obviously I went from that dream broadcast to business side. I don't necessarily have like that, I have to do this for this company position, but you know, I really like AT&T where I'm at. They're a Fortune 500 top 10 company. Uh, I've been talking about promotions with them and, you know, future positions with them. And, you know, I'm looking for a position where, you know, I can be vocal. I can be involved. I can be hands on. You know, those are the things that fit me. And rather that's, you know, purchasing, rather that's supply chain management, rather that's being a supplier, rather that's, you know, being a sales manager whatever it might be. I don't necessarily have an exact position of mine. I just knew that piece of paper and that education was going to get me to where I needed to be and where I wanted to be in my life. And so you definitely had some good perspective when it comes to college as a whole. But I would also like to know, do you think it's beneficial uh, for you with the industry that you're currently in to get an MBA? I'm, I'm curious to know your overall thoughts when it comes to grad school as a whole. It's interesting because I mean, some people, depending on what you majored in undergrad and, you know, where you went, you know, sometimes that undergrad is going to be enough for you in the industry, in the, in the business industry. Sometimes it's not, you know, for me, me with broadcasting, it was going to be absolutely necessary. Some people, you know, you go to a Michigan, a Michigan state, you know, Eli Broad or Ross, and, you know, you get that top supply chain degree, that undergrad might be enough. But, you know, if you're trying to switch gears like me, you're really trying to advance yourself. Because I think that's going to be the real key thing. You know, if you get that, you know, supply chain degree from Eli Broad at Michigan State, you know, you might be able to build yourself up to that top spot in, you know, five to 10 years. I think that MBA really comes in and puts you right at the front of it, though. So regardless of what you did in undergrad, regardless of what your positions were before, I think that MBA, you put that in your title, you put that in your business card. You say Cameron Goodacunts MBA, just like you say doctor or Cameron Goodacunts or anything like that. You know, you put that in there and I think that makes a huge difference to people. So, I mean, grad school as a whole, it's kind of a case to case because people ask me about it all the time. Should I do it? What should I do? And I tell them it's really case to case. And, you know, I turned down the Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State for Wayne. And, you know, for me, it was just price timing. I wasn't trying to take time off work because I do 50 plus hours of work a week. I do 15 credit hours for MBA. I'm full time, full time. So I'm, I knew Wayne was going to be the right spot for me to be able to do that for money, for time, for everything. And the fact that I could do the entire degree online, I wouldn't take any time off work. That's why I knew Wayne was a good fit for me. But I mean, it's case to case. I think no matter what, whether you have the good upbringing or you don't, I think it's going to push you to the front of the line. And I think it's going to propel your career a lot faster than if you didn't have it. But I mean, it's, it's very similar. I mean, I think a lot of us, I think my logistics shop, I think after high school, you could have been taught how to hop on the phone and call cold calls and make sales and stuff. I don't think you need a college degree to do that. But I mean, you need a college degree to do that with the industry we're in. I think that's, you know, very similar to the MBA. I mean, I think they're going to push you around for five to 15 years without it. 
especially if you're in my kind of shoes. I mean, most people won't even consider you when you're coming from my upbringing. So, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, college in general, it's it, you're jumping through a lot of hoops just to get to the, you know, the greener grass on the other side. And I think that's similar with undergrad and grad school. So, I mean, I'd recommend it all in all. Uh, it sounds like I'm kind of dogging it, but I mean, I, I would say if you have the time, if you have, you know, the financial means to do it, I would say absolutely do it. But I mean, don't think it's going to be the make or break in your career, especially in business opposed because in business, I think you can be successful either way and other, you know, fields, other industries, I think you might need it. But for business, I would say, you know, if you're self-motivated and you have the right upbringing, you don't necessarily have to have it. Full-time, full-time. That is something that is just mind-blowing to me. Like, what does the day-to-day look like for you? Do you have like a routine? Like, how do you go about working a full-time job and being a full-time grad student? I, I, I really want to know this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a beast. I mean, it was a little better when I was working remote, working from home, you know, when stuff got a little slower, I could fit some time in. But I mean, nowadays I get up around 6.37. I'm out home until about six most nights. And I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you got to be willing... I could finish in five years and go part-time and, you know, that'd be great. Cause I mean, I got to take, I don't get anything, you know, taken out. I mean, if you had a business undergrad, some classes get canceled and stuff. I got two classes canceled. I mean, I, I need 50 credits to graduate. And a lot of these are two credit classes. So, I mean, I got 25, 20, 25 classes I got to take. And, you know, it is what it is. I mean, you got to be willing to sacrifice a meal once in a while. You can be rec- willing to sacrifice some sleep once in a while. You got to be willing to sacrifice that night out with your friends or girlfriend or whatever you know, family once in a while. I mean, it's not easy, man. Uh, And this is the most like sincere thing I can tell you that I've less than probably five people in the world know. I mean, in December, my grandfather passed away. It was right during finals week. It was during the same week with, I had a partner at work. His mom passed away that week, that weekend before. So, I mean, it was just a nightmare week for both of us. I was trying to run that team by myself, a two person team. It was finals week for my MBA. My grandfather passed away. I didn't get to go to, you know, the family dinner the the night after he passed away with everybody. I mean, because I had a final. I had to study. I had to take that final. I mean, that's just the reality of it sometimes that you're going to look back on. But, I mean, I look back at it, too, in that last semester. I got a 3-8. I, I busted. And, you know, I had to sacrifice a lot. I had to give up a lot. But, I mean, I also know when I'm done in a year, and I graduated under two years, and I graduate at the same time as people who went full-time school and no work or barely worked, it's going to be worth it. When I'm 25 and I have an MBA, you know, I, I have group meetings with people in my class and stuff, and these people are like, oh, I got to take my kid to this. I got to take my kid to that. I'm the youngest person in our MBA program at Wayne State right now. I don't know if it's changed since, but I was. So, I mean, that's just, you know, you got to be mature beyond your days, and you got to be willing to sacrifice if that's you got to sacrifice a prioritize for what you want in life. You know, I want to have my MBA at 25. I want to make six figures when I'm 25 or 26. You know, I want to never be able to tell my kid no, tell my wife no, tell my family no. That's what drives me. And I mean, if it doesn't drive you, you're not going to get there. But that's what drives me. So that's how I get there. That's amazing. I love all the motivation. It definitely seems like you've powered through quite a few obstacles. And I'm glad that it's been all the more rewarding in the end. And so you've, you're often quite outspoken on social media when it comes to sports. So I briefly would like to hear from you about how you became so passionate for teams like the Florida Gators and the Cincinnati Bengals and whether or not there's a possibility that you might be, be able to get back into sports media. Yeah, so I get asked this a lot. Um, for me, I grew up in an Ohio State-based household. I mean, here's the deal. People say, oh, you need to go to school and be a fan. Oh, my family went to the school, so I'm a fan. My mom went to Madonna University and my dad didn't go to college. 
No one in my, no one else in my family went to college. Period. So my mom went to Madonna. I have one college grad in my my life, and it's a <laughs> it's a NAIA school in the middle of a neighborhood in Livonia, Michigan, that nobody in Metro Detroit is, even knows about. So I have no ties to these schools. You know, my dad's been an Ohio State fan since he was a little kid. So I kind of grew up on the anti-Michigan, anti-Michigan sports, you know, feed from him because of that. Um, you know, we used to go to Florida two, three times a year. We had family there. Uh, you know, people just kind of bought me Florida stuff. And I started playing football when I was six. That was, you know, the Chris League, Tim Tebow era. I had Gator stuff. It just kind of stuck. I, it's been my team for 18 years now. So it's it, it just kind of stuck with me early as, you know, anybody else who grows up with the mob and daddy went to Michigan or, you know, the, you know, they put you in a Michigan jersey when you're a baby. You know, that was just, you know, how it fed for me. And, you know, same thing. I, I was six or seven. I didn't care about how good the teams were. The Bengals suck. Everyone knows the Bengals suck. But, I mean, they had Chad Johnson, Carson Palmer, Rudy Johnson, TJ Hoosmanzada, Hoosier Mama, whatever you want to put it as. It was Terrell Owens, you know, it was a, it was a carnival on gridiron. So I just thought that was the most entertaining thing in the world when I was six or seven in third grade. So yeah, it just stuck for me. I mean, call me a bandwagon, call me what you want. Most of my teams are terrible. And I mean, I went to a Bengals game in January and COVID this year, thankful my girlfriend. So I, I go there every couple of years and I, I try to go down as much as I can. No. Yeah. I, I definitely respect like the passion for both those teams and everything too, because you know, you're working full-time and you're a, student, a full-time student as well. So having these things to turn to when it's time to, you know, shut your mind off to all that other school and work-related stuff, it definitely seems like it keeps you happy and it keeps you looking forward to something, which I think genu- like builds like a genuine sense of, of happiness and, you know, a, a good sense of motivation too. You got to have that. I mean, you got to have the thing that keeps you from burning out. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is, fishing, golfing, sports, whatever it is, reading, writing, whatever. Find something that that's huge for you too, <clears throat> especially when you're down on, you know, applications on school, whatever it might be. If you have that thing that kind of, you know, helps you reset, you know, get your mind back going it, music sometimes too. music could be a huge thing for me. I can listen to two or three songs. My mood can be like, so, I mean, find that thing that just kind of gets you in your right mindset. And that's going to be a huge thing for you too, for school and work or both. So definitely agreed. All right, so my final bonus question to you is, what do you think is the most useless college degree? The most useless? Um, from things I've heard, I mean, you always hear the, the water basket and all that stuff. I never heard anybody do that. Um, from things I've actually heard people do, um, I would say, just because I don't see it ever work out or follow the industry a lot, I would say dance or philosophy. Yeah, I've definitely had dance as a response from a few of my guests, so I definitely hear you on that. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Cam. Definitely seems like you're a motivated guy, and I'm really hoping to see you accomplish some great things in the future. So thanks again for being on the show, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. My guest today was Cameron Gutekunst, and if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and subscribe and share with your friends and family. Follow our Instagram at useless.degrees, and go like our Facebook page, The Useless Degrees Podcast. Thanks again so much for listening, and I look forward to entertaining you all in the next episode.